I think we all enjoy cycling. The wind in our hair, that oneness of sorts with everything around, that instant response of movement with each pedal, the synchronicity of our muscles working to push, to pedal, and our core working on balance while the mind remains free to connect with everything around. It's great fun. We've all done it at some point in our lives. But there are some that chase this experience like a high, like a drug. This experience becomes an integral part of their existence. There is a purpose that words cannot explain. There is an intent that may never be understood even if explained. To the doer, it is what it is. To the observer, these are great accomplishments. For example, imagine cycling 1200 kilometers. Easy? How about 800? 600? Maybe 400? Cycling across Himalayas? or cycling 4900 kilometers across america or across australia or across europe <laughs> with our guest today those are all dates in calendars and pictures in albums from the last 10 years i am in conversation with the amazing divya tate one of india's most celebrated ultra cyclist now divya is a multifaceted personality with much to her credit but notably her work with ultra distance cycling in india not only cycling on her own but also organizing events and mentoring teams of people that share similar interests she organized the great himalayan ultra a 600 km cycling race across the deserts of ladakh she heads the organization audax india which is an indian wing of a global event and she's involved in organizing cycling events ranging from anywhere between 200 km to 1200 km in various cities in india The ultra cycling ecosystem is now gathering momentum and much can be credited to the work that Divya her team and her cycling friends have accomplished. Today I'm very pleased that I will be sharing with you our conversation and you will see there is so much she shares in her vision and the future of India. My name is Amar Kulkarni and I welcome you to one more episode of 100 years dot in. the show where i ask people what they imagine india to be on 15th august 2047 this podcast is created in the comfort of my room and hence the brand radio room podcast thank you for tuning in let's go straight to the conversation Hello listeners we have with us Divya Tate we are extremely uh, glad and uh, honored to have this great personality with us you heard the story and everything all that she's achieved in uh, the past so many years like i said before uh, from sports to being in an art gallery an artist a writer an architect she's done a lot of things so let's welcome Divya to today's episode of 100 years dad and hello Divya how are you doing Hi Amar thanks for having me here on this uh, I'm really excited at the idea you know I'm not likely to be around <laughs> uh not? at that time but uh, I'm excited at the idea of this uh, podcast being available to listeners at that time Thanks thanks so much for saying it and I'm considering the amount of cycling and fitness activities that you do the chances of you being there amongst all of us is the highest <laughs> <laughs> नहीं नहीं ठीक है इट्स ओके वी इट्स गुड टू गेट ऑफ द अर्थ एट सम पॉइंट वाओ सो यू बीन साइक्लिंग थ्रू द लॉकडाउन सो जस्ट गेटिंग बैक टू साइक्लिंग नाउ आफ्टर अ फ्यू मंथ्स ब्रेक 
Um, yeah, uh, so of course, uh, April and May, the, I uh, don't think I even cycled to commute because I was just walking around in the neighborhood and doing my shopping mm-hmm. or taking the car if it was a lot of work. But uh, after that, from June onwards, when they opened things up, mm-hmm. uh, started to ride earlier, it was just shorter ones. And uh, now I'm back to cycling in the countryside on my mountain bike and uh, loving it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure it must be so much fun to do that. Be yeah. able to get out right now is the biggest thing. <clears throat> Great. Yeah. I have one very nice question that I've been wanting to ask you a long time since I've known you. You've been an architect. You've been a travel writer. You've done artist work, mosaic artist and painting and all of that. You've, owned, you've managed an art gallery. You've done sports event management. And you've been cycling for over 25 years now, right? You won numerous awards, 28, wow, numerous awards, uh, all these sports events, so much recognition of all these things that you've done. What has been the most rewarding? Um, Okay, you missed uh, something else. I've also uh, had two children and uh, I've been a single parent for 20 years. 20 years. And I've homeschooled them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, them. so it's kind of hard them. to pick any. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to pick out of all of these, like which one was more rewarding. I think, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to pick anyone. All mm-hmm. of them have, I've enjoyed every single one of them. I've uh, cycling, parenting, the homeschooling, yeah. uh, the farming, you know, urban yeah. farming, yeah. Uh, art. Each thing in its own place, I think it has uh, has uh, lent itself to giving me a more holistic sort of perspective on things. So, right. And were you always the kind of person who would do these things uh, from childhood? Were you always doing different things and a lot of different things all the time? Or did it just grow with age how did that happen um yeah interesting um in my childhood so i my dad was in the air force Mm. and i grew up on an air force station and my exposure to the outdoors and to cycling as a child started there Mm. um then in my teen years i was in bombay Mm. i i think i was always interested in a lot of things but i think uh, for me the moment uh, of of transformation hmm. and from where my life journey i could say took a tangent from where it was going hmm. uh, was when i decided to get a divorce from my ex husband hmm. i decided very consciously that i that single parenting my children would be a much better option for hmm. them for hmm. me for everybody's health and well being hmm. and that was a difficult decision to make in you know i think 1999 or 2000 hmm. um and it forced me to think about absolutely everything in a different sort of way. Mm. And uh, then getting out, you know, since I was getting out of a bad marriage at that time, mm. I got this surge of desire to do like everything yeah, that I could. Yeah. I felt like I'd missed out for so many years. And so it was like anything that comes when no opportunity grab it by the tail goes and ride. <laughs> parenting was a um uh, you know uh, eye opener in some sense mm. that uh, you know you become responsible for two <laughs> <laughs> suddenly who has to take decisions 
yeah. not just for herself but for children and that's when you actually start thinking about the world mm. the future then mm. you realize that your own role on this planet is a transitionary one you know mm. uh, you're only here to actually pave the way for another generation mm. and mm. what you do has an impact on that so in that sense that parenting was uh, mm. was an eye opener for sure so the way you say it it means like it has been a spiritual experience for you yeah mm. thanks for sharing that with us <laughs> thank you for sharing You're welcome. beautiful i'm going to get to the meat of the show where i'm going to ask you a few questions and uh, of course the questions are about the future we already know so much about the past and the present and now <clears throat> let's see what you have about the future but before going to the main question i just have one little question i want to ask you and the question is what does india mean to you mm <laughs> yeah um so you know uh, like i said uh, in my uh, journey or uh, in my relationship with my own country mm-hmm. um i would say that uh, in a way i think i grew up in a small bubble world that i which i broke through only around the time that i like i said i got divorced mm-hmm. and started to travel the country so in the air force station you know it's a slightly it's a kind of a insular sort of a community which is in its own way cut off from the rest of the country there's a lot of uh, vestigial uh, colonial kind of a thing going on mm. in the air force station uh, then i was in bombay very very urban upbringing right. um we traveled india as kids but i somehow didn't connect with this country until in my 30s uh, after i had had children and become a single parent and i started adventuring and going outdoors my cycling also was connected with that because my cycling took me out into the countryside uh, sort of uh, you know um, without that um, without any barrier between me and you know i mean you've seen me i'm i'm a very very urban looking person yeah. uh, so in a rural setup i do look like an alien but when i go uh, on a cycle uh, those barriers are somehow cut down and i was able to uh, interact with with people of this country whom till then uh, i had not ever interacted with and seen mm. and that uh, that was what uh, in my relationship with india uh, that was what really connected me with um with the largest percentage of our population which mm. is still very rural very very agrarian and i think that to me india has you know we 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 kind of uh, maybe because social media is sort of more social media popular culture everything mm. media focuses on a certain sector segment of our society mm. we tend to marginalize what's going on in the rest of our country Mm. so uh, my explorations on um, in india in the rural countryside of this uh, you know uh, uh, subcontinent was mm. what really brought me close to this country and to understand that there's so much going on mm. uh, that uh, you know those are stories that don't kind of come out nobody sees unless you really go under the carpet so to speak mm. and uh, connect with the people hmm. yeah and that is so true the large portion of india is rural <clears throat> and the urban population is so so little 
but uh, yeah. the, the the image of india is so skewed with that that you know the smallest it's like the 80 20 where the 20% get everything while the 80% actually yeah. are the major part of it hearing what you said about how you connected with the rural side of india what is your perception of rural india do you think it's a vibrant positive story uh, or is it a neglected ignored part of india what is your perception of it so uh, you know it um, i think that rural india um i mean there's no i don't have a romantic idea of it mm-hmm. in the sense that once you see it once you experience it you live with the people there you can see that there is hardship there is um i'm not going to call anything poverty you know because mm. the that whole uh, parameter for poverty is like very very mm. solely money based mm. and that ends up uh, ignoring all the other uh, wealth mm. that people and families have to offer when we just say oh they're poor right. so i'm not going to say that but i i know of course that there is hardship uh in rural india what is amazing is the the when you think of the scale of uh, the number of people hmm. who are living that kind of life hmm. uh, it's a dense population the diversity is immense and when you consider that when you when you say that do you think that they are neglected i'm like well our neglect of them or not doesn't really matter because they exist and they are going about their lives <laughs> even if it's not on social media yeah it, it you know so it's like literally it's our perception again that we are talking about in yeah. their perception their lives are fulfilled you know their lives are great fulfilled they're hard but there's also satisfaction in the life they live Yeah. there's a clean healthy life there yeah. so whether we acknowledge it or not doesn't matter they're there <laughs> yeah 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 i think it's a very very uh, nice point that you made the difference between poor and people that have hardships you know the, the factor of poverty just being designed on the concept of wealth as money uh, yeah good one and i think it's very interesting to think about it a little bit more thanks for sharing that point of view i'm going to jump yeah. into the next question um which is yeah. the meat of the show uh, which is about yeah. india on the 15th august 2047 the year we celebrate 100 years of freedom what is the india yeah. that you imagine on that day ah uh, yeah so uh, yeah imagining india in uh, in 1947 august 15 uh it's like actually all i can say is my wishful thinking yes what <laughs> what the reality will be mm-hmm. is very hard to sort of predict yeah. uh but um, wishful thinking uh, so uh, one of the things that uh, i sort of learned mm-hmm. in my in my adulthood like in my 40s and things you know mm-hmm. was uh, this whole that we need to uh, shift our perspective of what india has to offer the world and how the world looks at india mm. and how we actually that comes maybe secondary mm. the first thing is how do we look at ourselves mm. and uh, my wishful thinking is that we change how we perceive ourselves which ch- that indians mm-hmm. actually start to value what we have to offer the world uh, in terms of what we have the cultural diversity we have the plurality we have 
the tolerance that this subcontinent has uh, you know allowed people to live together in this way mm-hmm. which i feel that uh, you know that western perception so you know like you said that 100 years the significance is that mm-hmm. uh, Uh, we were colonized until uh, 19 1947 yep. and uh, it will be 100 years yep. after we threw colonization off yep. but i think that even today i what i see is that our mindset is still colonized mm-hmm. our perception of ourselves is driven by what our colonial um, overlords or whatever you want to call them uh sort of you know this is i mean that's colonialization all across the globe that's how it worked that's what they did and it it was uh, dependent on um uh it was dependent on uh sort of um, undermining the colonized countries Mm. uh thinking about itself right mm. whatever wealth they had whatever culture they had the religions mm. rituals mm. everything needed to be undermined for a colonized country mm. to be able to exert their authority and power over them so and there are books about this of course it's yeah. not something that just by overthrowing your rulers you suddenly become uh, you know you feel good about yourself mm. so even today i still see that we are still sort of we still put ourselves down tremendously hmm. what that means is we're not we're not even starting to think about pre colonization hmm. and during during the years that we were colonized what is our true wealth hmm. and the indian civilization is really old yeah before before the first colonizer reached uh, india hmm. there was a rich fabric of so many things mm. lot of which was stolen from us lot of which is just is inherited by all of us who live over here right uh skills uh craftsmanship our just our perception of life so you know when i talk about the rural countryside mein wo kya hai jo cities mein nahi hai and one of the things is their capacity to be satisfied with what they have mm. the lack of greed that lack of um putting too much value on only money on a sort of spiritual connection with nature so these are some of the things that are very matter of fact and they still exist mm. Mm. what we're not doing is we're not valuing these things so we are looking to the west we are extremely uh, you know uh, aspirational about mm. aping the west mm. uh, which and and like this is 2020 you know look around us and we can see where that greed uh, where our lifestyles which have become so unhealthy have brought us to you know mm. and so wishful thinking is that you know this this year and everything that is just forcing us to uh, do mm. uh, gives us the time to really sit back and look at what is there in india that we need to value and we need to bring out because we do have a lot to offer the whole world yeah. so we have to start with yeah. ourselves fantastic and you imagine that on um, your wishful thinking is that by 2047 we would have learned to naturally accept and appreciate uh what we can offer the world our plurality our culture and our uh, rich fabric of uh, civilization pre pre colonization civilization um yes beautiful 
In fact, you answered two questions of mine in one because one very oh, no. important question that I ask people <laughs> is also what can India give the world, and I I find your list of uh, points right in here. Oh no, we. Can I, I can talk about that in more detail. <laughs> I, will, I will certainly ask you that question, but before that, uh, this visual thinking that you have is is. Hmm. is beautiful and i i'm hoping that we can uh, start paying attention right away on this but do you believe there are barriers to this do you think that there are going to be challenges for people to adapt to this appreciation of our own uh, value systems and uh, cultures oh yeah definitely the uh, the barriers right now are uh, you know that uh, the, the biggest barrier is this that we are looking to the west for solutions mm-hmm. we and i'm talking you know this is something that i see in uh, many aspects of our uh, lives mm-hmm. uh, whether it's in sport whether it's in uh, so sporting performance for example uh, we we look to the west to sort of try to emulate and uh, we look to them and we compare ourselves with them on on their parameters you know on western sport parameters but mm. we have so many sports over here in india then mm. within i'm just talking about the sports field for now mm. uh, even for example nutrition and other say injury uh, these things we are again constantly looking over there for solutions but there are we have to realize that you know in this country we have we need to change our mindset and start looking start experimenting start understanding what's going on what uh, what kind of solutions can be found out here yeah. mm-hmm. um so you know and even even say right now health mm-hmm. uh health is something that like i mean in like i said you know 1.3 billion people living crushed together on this <laughs> small piece of the uh, <laughs> land mm-hmm. and um we're doing it fairly well mm-hmm. you know in spite of everything mm-hmm. and so we uh, like for example we try to keep looking at uh, western health parameters mm. uh, which are completely different mm. so uh, and solutions for uh, healthy living in india are all around us all the time mm. you know uh, through natural through our food through nature through exposure so um the biggest barrier is this that we are allowing another narrative to dictate where we look for our solutions mm. and the solutions actually are here all around us we, we just need to open our eyes and accept that these solutions are you know have some wisdom in them mm. uh, and start incorporating that in our lives i think that is true i think we're just ignoring it because our minds are caught up with so many other distractions that have been placed over i don't know a couple of decades or more and then it's yeah. taking all the bandwidth in our heads and we are just not able to <laughs> empty our minds a little bit to give space to this and suddenly i think that the lockdown yeah. has certainly done that for a lot of people especially for me i, uh, I yeah i think it has happened uh, where we slow down a little bit to pay attention to say actually the solutions lie here no why are we looking so far yeah. a lot of things are yeah yeah so that is true and and particularly what you said about the indian civilization being really old you know i was talking to someone recently and uh, we hit upon this conversation where we said there was a time 5000 years ago when when other 
nations for that matter no other countries or other geographies in the world were still huh. you know throwing stones at each other and eating each other while here in our uh, country we were writing deep philosophies about life and and researching science and everything about the body and the mind and the, and the cosmos in general and and we yeah. barely even look at that content anymore no so uh, yeah yeah true What true and i mean look at the kind of things i mean, if i look at something as simple as say um india's uh, heritage of uh, fabrics mm-hmm. huh mm-hmm. it's a simple thing but if you look at how how much there is just in that mm-hmm. the variety of fabrics of weaves of uh, usage so i mean we can actually solve problems like now right now the kind of uh, uh, you know artificial polyester based fabrics that everybody is using are giving us health problems mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and of course there are they are all an environmental disaster as well right uh, the artificial uh, fabrics that we use so india actually has like such a multitude of solutions as far as that goes mm. um then agriculture mm. agriculture so you know when you were talking about our civilization is ancient mm. and agriculture so here's another thing in which this is how the west actually undermines what we had to offer mm-hmm. so agriculture in india was always a very very small scale mm-hmm. you had small subsistence farming kind of model you know mm-hmm. and like i i repeat again densely populated country mm-hmm. but we managed to feed ourselves mm-hmm. and today's agriculture model uh, globally fortunately mm. as yet it hasn't encroached upon india completely and i hope it doesn't and i hope that we are able to eradicate it with the uh, you know gmo seeds and with uh, artificially sort of uh, uh, this induced crops and uh, so if you look at the models in the west mm. those are so heavy on resources mm. Uh, so that's another thing that uh, the, this agriculture format of ours that we had the diversity of seed that everybody all the farmers had this mm-hmm. model is being completely put down mm-hmm. is being undermined as an as it's being sh- it has been written about as a model that didn't work mm-hmm. and that the western model of having mechanized farming over large plots of land mm-hmm. is a model that works but when you dig around a little bit you understand that that model actually takes up so much resources compared to a small subsistence farming model that india had right. and that can actually feed the world so say global hun- hunger issues also can be solved if we just look back at what our models were hmm. so serious issues can actually be resolved if we start to uh, look value and uh, offer it <laughs> what you said is right that we have in the past been dense populations and we don't have a lot of records that say we had hunger as a major issue i mean of course there was a famine at some point in time and yes we did yeah. have those issues but by and large our history doesn't have many records that say food was an issue uh, which tells us that probably our systems were able to feed the vast number of people we were because i feel to believe that even back in time we were not so densely popular i'm sure at all points in time we've always been a lot of people and what you said <laughs> so that's very interesting yeah. that's another very interesting point that you raised and i'm making a note of that as well that uh, 
the the smaller subsistence of the farming ecology or the ecosystem of it certainly seems uh, more beneficial to everyone involved yeah. what do you think are the reasons why the governments however still prefer the larger mechanized uh, ways of doing it it's oh dear am i am i allowed to even talk about that <laughs> just <laughs> that out <laughs> um yeah to answer your question i think uh what we're seeing today is there's a there's an excess between governments and corporates mm. and uh, the large scale mechanized farming serves corporates and serves corporate interest mm. whereas sustenance uh, farming mm. you know uh, is basically serving the purpose of that family itself and keeping them out of the mm. uh, you know uh, they, they they're no longer dependent on corporate farming but corporate farming obviously wants you to be dependent on them yes so the government is going to Preferring side with yeah <laughs> whoever is obviously since i think the money involved is high and and uh, and uh, you said it earlier in the time that a lot of the benchmark has become wealth in terms of money and because of yeah. it uh, india will seem largely more successful in terms of the wealth generated or the turnover or the fdi etc but uh, right. we stand the risk of losing out more important value systems uh, in that yeah 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 i think that uh, the uh, you know modern industrialized world has put too much importance on the tangible things hmm. so th- this was an important learning for me when we started to home school mm-hmm. was that um, in school it's marks when mm. you come out it's money mm. uh, so we're always measuring mm. we can actually it's not that we are doing it the thing is that you can only measure tangible things mm. Mm. right so mm. then we end up um if if we are in that mindset mindset of wanting to measure so as to compare mm. you the conversation ends up being about tangibles alone mm. intangibles in this system mm. intangibles are completely ignored so mm. when we talk about intangibles it's like happiness satisfaction um feeling you know a, a sense of well-being mm. um all of these things these are intangibles so hmm. these tend to and in the modern society actually those are completely disregarded now hmm. we only talk about tan- uh, tangible items hmm. so wealth uh, money being the you know the primary measure hmm. for everything now gdp ye wo gaadiya flats kitna but yeah you got like okay you've got the best car and the biggest house are you happy <laughs> you know so uh, and that's, and that's what like sorry and that is endless you know if you one that's car always better than the other car and a bigger house right. better than the next house right cycle like doesn't end so that's one thing that uh, in india you know it is it's not just that uh, we we managed to feed ourselves just because we grew well it's also that the people yeah. on for the most part they're satisfied with what they have and it's not a bad thing hmm. it's they're happy hmm. they they they're not looking at somebody else and thinking oh you know that one has more i should also hmm. uh, strive for more if you hmm. if you go around and there's generosity that is unbelievable you know hmm. um so yeah 
that that's one that's something that I think that's there's two really nice things that you have pointed out. Planet could learn from us. <clears throat> True. Sorry, I lost you for a moment. Yeah, there's there's two important things that you just said. The one is about how contentment plays an important role, and yeah, the new input that I just noted down was the generosity of our people, and I think uh, wow, yeah, that's 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 great that you observed that and you pointed it out. Thanks so much for that again. <laughs> <laughs> we heard about your vision your imagination yeah you, you call it wishful thinking but we could just place it as a vision saying that uh, the perspective of what india thinks about yeah own self the values that we can offer the world be it plurality the culture the ancient wisdom and all the things that we researched and have today as skills uh we can give it to the world of course but even we need to start learning how to appreciate it and and incorporate that uh within our own uh systems and in our own mindsets today if we place yeah. that as your vision what is it that we as listeners can do to make your vision come true if you place this as your vision what is it that we can do uh, um yeah what we can do is uh really start questioning mm-hmm. uh where certain thoughts of uh, ourselves or uh how we think about india in the bigger picture start questioning those you know we we have a habit of very easily saying but india is a poor country or look how bad this is or look how bad that is um so one is to question that narrative and the other thing is just simple observations of things around us Hmm. um of uh, that you know that small vegetable vendor hmm. with a little basket you know just have a tiny conversation with that person hmm. have a small conversation with uh some laborer which village has he come from how what is it he observes so i think that just all of us conversing with each other and hmm. bringing out these the positive things that are going on and observing it with a different mindset we've got to change our mindset from uh measuring to just receiving a hmm. uh, positive vibe and story and understanding and and just appreciating the volume of diversity in this country and i think simple conversations with the people around us whom we sometimes don't tend to you know uh, uh engage with hmm. i think that's a great way to start Now, even if you don't go to the countryside there's a lot of people around us that we can talk to to get a whiff of what they are what their lives are like yeah wow that is so good that is so that is so powerful a simple conversation with people around you can teach us how we could and i think it will be a natural thing you know it doesn't have to teach us i think we will naturally learn that we can change our mindset from measuring to receiving and appreciating beautiful beautiful that yeah my last question then was the the last question that i had for you about how or what we could do to make your vision come true and i think this is a very simple but highly effective way of doing this if if we can just start conversations with people around us in different ecosystems and uh, just listening and receiving it and appreciating it i think we'll slowly build the habit of seeing ourselves differently than what the world has been telling us for so long and uh, yeah. if we do that enough for 25 27 years hopefully we will have 
reached a point where we can make divya's vision come true to see uh, <laughs> india think of themselves as uh, for the value that they can really offer the world superb yeah thanks thank so much thank you that with us thank you so much for sharing all of these points with us we've learned a bunch of new ideas and uh, i hope you had fun doing this yeah thanks amar it was actually it was really uh, it was wonderful for me to be able to say these things a lot of these things just came out in the conversation so thank you for bringing them out it's a pleasure it's an absolute pleasure talking to someone like you you have done so much in your life it's uh, so many uh, when i started listing down and and thinking about what i should talk to you about there were several aspects of it and and two of them of course you uh, very earlier on pointed out i missed out on the two essential parts of it but that's a complete <laughs> one full podcast series on how homeschooling <laughs> has been done to such effective measures or you know oh yeah yeah uh, another <laughs> another podcast on what a single mother in the indian urban context is from the 1999 time to now and see this 20 years <laughs> of all your experiences that so there's so much content uh, to really tap into but i thought maybe today i just want to talk to you about uh, what you have in terms of the future in your mind so so thanks again for sharing that with us thank you thanks a lot for having me on the podcast amar Later. and hopefully we will uh, meet soon yes yeah. until then take good care of yourselves and everyone uh, around you and uh, hope to see you again so thank you and bye bye okay bye and that my friends was my conversation with divya tate the ultra cyclist I hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode. Stay tuned as I bring you more interesting guests and we'll hear them share their vision about India in the future. If you have anyone you'd like to recommend for me to interview, please do reach out on Instagram or Facebook or on my website. My name is Amar Kulkarni. You've been listening to the podcast 100years.in brought to you by Radio Room Podcast. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourself and everyone else around you. Bye-bye.